You're welcome to Faith to Faith Broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the President of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Today we start from Psalm 112. In this month, the Spirit of God spoke to us and said, It's a month of fortune. Amen. Glory to God. It means a month of great possessions. It's a month of wealth. Glory to God. Valuables coming your way. Amen. In Psalm 112, the psalmist from verse 1 was saying something very powerful. He said, Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. Hallelujah. That delighted greatly in his commandments. Then he said, His seed, the man's seed, shall be mighty upon the earth. That means that, look, this man, his, his seed is, is his offspring. His descendants will benefit from this. Listen to me. You are born again. You are not the only one blessed. Your children are blessed. Because of your salvation. Some of your relatives don't know. It is because of you. They are still alive. Amen. They don't know. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Then verse 3 says, Wealth and riches shall be in his house. And his righteousness endureth forever. Lift your right hand and say, Wealth and riches are in my house, and my righteousness endures forever. Now, the Bible saying wealth and riches, it means fortune. Hallelujah. Wealth and riches, fortune, shall be in his house. He will not hear about fortune from afar. He will not watch television and see how people are rich. It will be physically present in his house. Hallelujah. It will be a reality to him. Fortune, wealth, riches will not be a myth. It will be real to him. It will be in his house. In your house. Say again, wealth and riches shall be in my house. Amen. Now, but I want you to recognize something in Psalm 112 verse 3. It says, wealth and riches shall be in his house. Then he says something very powerful. And his righteousness endureth forever. The righteousness of the man that wealth and riches in his house, that, that righteousness endures forever. Meaning there is a relationship between righteousness and wealth. Amen. So today I want to share with you what I have titled fortune and the gift of righteousness. Hallelujah. Most of the time, when we read through scriptures and we see the word righteousness, the first thought that comes to the mind of any individual is that it is not talking about me. Praise God. (laughs) The first idea that the devil tries to plant in your mind is that anytime you see righteousness in scripture, it is not talking about you. But the reverse is the case. Hallelujah. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
and our faith in what Jesus had done, we are the righteous. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And so, by the time we're through, anytime you see scripture and the Bible starts describing the righteous, understand that it is talking about you. Amen. It is important to know who you are for you to walk in the inheritance that belongs to you. Amen. Now, in this scripture here, he made a statement. He said, the right, and his righteousness endureth forever. Meaning that that righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. It is not a righteousness that will be taken or withdrawn. It is not a righteousness that is subject to time or circumstance. Hallelujah. It is a righteousness that will endure forever. Now remember, there are certain things that the Bible talks about that endures forever. You know the scripture that says, God is good and his mercy endures forever. You know that scripture. Hallelujah. Meaning that God's mercy is not something that will end. It will never come to an end. It will always be here. It will always be available. Hallelujah. Now, this scripture is saying that the righteousness of that man, that there is a man, there is a man that God will give a righteousness that will endure forever. Before this time, there was a nation called Israel that walked with God in a covenant. The covenant is the contract God entered into with the children of Israel. It was the agreement He had with them. If you do this, I will do that. Hallelujah. And that's why the, one of the key words you see all through the book of Deuteronomy is the word if. Everybody say if. Say it again, if. If is a conditional statement. And so God's covenant with the children of Israel was based on several conditions. If you want this, you must do that. If you want this, you must do that. So their righteousness was based on them meeting up with those conditions. Amen. So it was not everlasting. It doesn't last forever. It will last until you break it. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. It will last until you spoil it. Amen. But God decided to package a righteousness. Amen. That you cannot spoil. Amen. Are you getting the picture? You cannot tamper with it. He will give you that righteousness as a gift and not a reward. And the reason why righteousness is so important is such an important teaching and a doctrine is that it is the basis for which we receive any blessing from God. Amen. And if that basis is tampered with, then you don't see why you deserve. You know, let me say this to you. There are some of you sitting down here. If they say, this house, this mansion is yours. You say me. <laughs> why are you laughing? What did I do to deserve this house? What work did I put in to get this house? That's the first thought that comes to your mind. There are some of you sitting down here, you don't believe you deserve certain things. You don't believe that certain good things should come your way. Because you have judged yourself based on your own performance. I am this kind of person that does so so and so, therefore this kind of thing should not happen to me. I come from such a family, therefore, we don't have this kind of thing. But the gift of righteousness, hallelujah, changes the story. Amen? And we've been talking about fortune. Fortune 
is received when you understand righteousness. Amen. Am I communicating? That's why this scripture was connecting wealth and riches with righteousness. That's the reason. Alright, we're going to start. Let's just talk a little about the gift of righteousness. First of all, I'm not the one that called it a gift. God called it a gift. Hallelujah. In Romans 5, let's look at verse 17 quickly. He refers to righteousness as a gift. It says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned. Hallelujah. By one. Much more. So he's comparing, alright? Much more they which receive of the abundance of grace. Hallelujah. And of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ. Permit me to just read it this way. Hallelujah. These truths will change your life. Amen. For if by one man's offense death reign by one, and much more they which receive abundance of grace, and of what? The gift of righteousness. Everybody say the gift of righteousness. Say it again, the gift of righteousness. So who called it? The Bible refers to righteousness as a gift. Amen. Now, he referred to it as a gift because people have always thought of righteousness as a reward. Amen. Am I communicating? People have always, naturally, human beings have always thought of righteousness as a reward. If you do this and do this and do that, God will now say, you are a good man. You are qualified. That means that people think that God qualifies them by their performance. Some of you this week, you are praying that this week you will get a new job because you came to church this morning and you came early before the service started. Some of you are sitting down here, you are saying, throughout last week, I did not tell one lie, I used to steal in my office, I didn't steal. Therefore this week, God, God, you know, you ought to bless me. Amen. That means that you are still operating with the idea that you should be rewarded because of your good work. But the first thing I want to make you understand is this. If God decides to look at that thing you are calling a good work, He will still find a fault in it. Because the Bible says that our, field, our righteousness sorry, is as filthy rags. There is no action of man that is totally and completely pure. Amen? If God will examine the motive behind why you are even in the music team, he will find a fault in it too. Amen? <laughs> if he should search you with his own magnifying lens, why actually you are in this church? He will find faults. Amen. Because God's eye sees everything. Amen. Glory to God. So our righteousness can never qualify us. Our efforts 
can never qualify us. Your best deed is still evil in the sight of God. The standard of God's purity and goodness and holiness, no human ever can attain unto it. And so God's solution was that I will not tell them to try and meet up. I will give it to them free. The problem now with man is that he is proud. He doesn't want to receive the free gift. Say, Lord, I will just be collecting things free, free. Let me also work for it now. Let me also work for it. God say, look, you cannot work for this thing. No matter how hard you work, you can't get it. So, Jesus on that cross, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, catch this. He said, for he had made him Jesus. The Father God had made Jesus to be seen for us. Hallelujah. That Jesus who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. Hallelujah. Meaning that Jesus Christ did not deserve your sin. God took your sin. Call your name please. Call your full name. The name your, your father or your grandfather gave to you. Call that name. He decided to take your sin and put it on an innocent person. Jesus. Jesus didn't do anything. And he took the righteousness of Jesus Christ and gave it to you. As a gift. Amen. That's why the Bible refers to it as the gift of righteousness. When he gave you that gift, the reason why God is answering your prayer is because you have received that gift. Amen. That gift makes God see you as right, no matter what you do or not do. Someone said something. If a believer sins, does the believer become unrighteous? No. Anything that is unrighteous cannot speak to God. Hallelujah. Anything that is unrighteous cannot communicate with God. But you will see the scripture tells you that you should still pray to God. Meaning that the door is still open for you. Amen. Hello. The gift of righteousness is God's qualification of you. He has qualified you and nothing, nobody, nothing can disqualify you. It is God's certificate of rightness handed to you. He has certified you right. Amen. Glory to God. No matter what anybody says, you have been satisfied, certified right. It is signed in the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. When you understand that, why is the understanding of righteousness so important? I'll go to a few scriptures and we'll come back to wealth and riches shall be in your house. This gift of righteousness is the area Satan uses to take advantage of God's people. In Romans chapter 3, let me read 20 to 22, then I'll read it in NLT. First of all, let's go to King James. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. It says there, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, 
by following all the rules. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. He said, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. That means that nobody will earn justification by their efforts. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Meaning, he was saying that the purpose of the law was to introduce what sin really is. Hallelujah. That was the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was not to make a man righteous. Are you listening to me? Let me explain it this way. Um, this illustration I've used severally. In Germany, on the highways, they don't have speed limits. Amen? You know, in every other country, it's supposed to also be in Nigeria. There are supposed to be speed limits on the way, say, don't drive beyond 80 kilometers per hour, 100 kilometers per hour. And if you do that, you are breaking the law. There are traffic laws. So the police will stop you and give you a ticket. You understand that? Now, but the point is this. In that country, it is said that there are no speed limits. That means there is no law. So, if you are driving recklessly or driving very fast, even if you are wrong... They can't judge you because there is no law that says that that is wrong. But the moment they say, on this road, don't drive faster than 100 kilometers per hour, the law will now expose who is sinning and who is not sinning. If someone is driving now, you can just look and say, is that not a sin? We don't know because there is no law. But the minute the law is introduced, we cannot tell, no, this is wrong. This is right. The purpose of the law was to show what is right and what is wrong. But never to make the man right. Did you catch the picture? The reason why God introduced the law was to explain to man what is right, what is wrong. But not necessarily to make him right. Only the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was able to make man right in the sight of God. Amen? Are you getting the picture? Now, let's read down verse 21. It says, But now... The righteousness of God, without the law, meaning outside of the law, is manifested. It has been displayed. Being witnessed. The law and the prophets talked about this righteousness. It has now been manifested. Verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. That means that this righteousness that is without the law is the righteousness based on our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And it is unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. Amen. So this righteousness is based on your belief in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus on your behalf. That righteousness is imputed to you. Amen. It's credited to your accounts. Amen. Because you have believed in what Jesus did for you. Give it to me, New Living Translation. It says there, start from verse 20, please. Let's read it in a language we all appreciate. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Amen? Is it clear? Let's read it together. I want to go. 
by doing what the law commands. Stop. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Amen. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But it doesn't make us right. Now, the law tells you, don't raise your leg. But don't put it down. <laughs> but don't stand. But don't sit. Okay, and I say, so how am I supposed to do that? The Lord doesn't tell you how. Amen? Are you understand? It just leaves you knowing that whatever you are doing, you are wrong. Amen? So that you will now search for how to be right and find it in Christ. Amen? So it says, for the Lord simply shows us how sinful we are. Verse 21, NLT continue. But now, God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law. Hallelujah. Tap your number and say, God has shown us a way to be right with God without keeping the requirements of the law. Look you. Follow me. As was promised in the writings of Moses and prophets long ago. So it was promised long ago. But people didn't know how it was going to happen. But he has shown it to us now. Verse 22, NLT, continue. Good. We are made right with God. By placing our faith in who? Simple. It was the same way Abraham was counted to be righteous. He had faith. In God. Hallelujah. That was it. Now today also, faith in what Jesus has done for you makes you right in the sight of God. So I say, okay, after that, what next? Do this one first. Receive this one first. Amen. Amen. Receive this one first. Receive it. And you discover that when you receive it, you will not even be asking what next. You will know what next. Amen. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who we are. Hallelujah. That's the gift of righteousness. Tap your number say that's the gift of righteousness. Tap your number say receive the gift of righteousness. Okay. Now, anyone that has not received that gift of righteousness will likely be having a problem receiving any other thing from God. Because the basis on which He gives you any other thing is that you are qualified to get it. Amen. Hello? Get me two chairs. Just those two chairs. Ushers, now this is where you are needed. Amen. Thank you. These chairs here are for ministers of the gospel. Amen. Any minister of the gospel that comes in here is going to sit on these two chairs. Are you following? Then I say, John, okay, come, you with a bow tie, stand up. 
Come. Come. You're looking good. That's why I'm using you for an example. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, and I'll tell you, come and sit here. Alright? Listen, and I'll say, come and sit here. The first question that should come to your mind, if you even just sit, I'll say, is something wrong with you? Now, if I say, come and sit here, the first thing that should come to your mind is, am I a minister of the gospel? I've already announced that this chair is for every minister of the gospel that is here. Alright? Then I'll say, come and sit down here. Why will you be doubting whether you should sit or not? The problem is you are not sure you are a minister of the gospel. Or you know you are not a minister of the gospel. Or are you? Are you a preacher? Are you a pastor? No, you are not. Okay. So. Alright, so. He is not a minister of the gospel. And so. After the. Um, you can sit. Then I walk away. I come back. He's still not sitting. Then I say, why are you not sitting? He says, sir, hold on. I'm not a minister. I say, okay. Then I lay hands on him. I say, in the name of Jesus, I make you a minister. Eh? Is he supposed to ask me again whether I should sit? No. As I say, I make you a minister, I have qualified him to sit here. The moment I made him a minister, he is not qualified to sit. He's not supposed to pray to me again whether he should sit. Praise God. Now, you know what I said happening to some believers? That righteousness is a gift that has been given. That qualifies you to sit here. But let me tell you how somebody are sitting. Now you sit. Okay, I've qualified you. Sit. But sit at the edge as though you are afraid that they will come and chase you. Sit somehow. Uh-huh. This is how some of us are sitting. In case they come and say, I, say, I, say, I was just... Uh, I was just <laughs> are you getting the picture? But he said, no, 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 no. Sit. And sit properly. Sit properly now. Relax. As we say in pidgin English, balance. <laughs> Alright. Now, sitting here is what will attract all the other things. Anybody that is, a, is sitting on that chair will be served juice. The people inside the office were told, go on stage and serve the people on stage juice. They are not going to ask them any question. Are you understanding me? I thought the juice would be coming out as I'm talking. <laughs> Bring something from my fridge. Now watch. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen. Catch the picture. <laughs> See where it started though? It started from the fact that this chair is for anyone that is a minister. Then, to make him sit here, I qualified him to be a minister. Then he sat. Sitting here has benefits. Anybody that is sitting here, wealth and riches will be in his house. Anybody that is sitting here, Pastor Dabota will serve them coke. Amen. Are you seeing the picture? comes with just sitting here. He doesn't have to confess anything. Just sit. In righteousness shall not be established. 
Amen. Did she ask him his name? Her duty is that anybody that is sitting here serve them. So she has served him. Alright? Now he's wondering, hey, should I drink this thing? Hey, this thing I didn't work for. I don't know how it came out. I don't know how it happened though. But there's another thing that says that anybody that is seated here, somebody in church will give him 1,000 naira. Amen? Someone should stand up now. If you have 1,000, bring it. Amen? He had a thousand eye on you. Yes. Someone is at the back. <laughs> really? Alright. Alright. What? Pause. Are you getting the picture? Now, all he is doing is to sit where he was qualified by Jesus to sit. God. Anybody that is sitting down here, they will give him also a handkerchief. More and more. Are you getting the picture? They will keep giving him things. Now, this is why righteousness is important. Understanding righteousness means that you are now sitting in the place of qualification that God has put you. So that fortune can come to you. Many of God's children have not sat down. They are still saying, uh, when I fast for 40 days, I will be qualified to sit. They will not fast 36 days, 37, 38 days. Hey, let me just drink small water. They will not say, Bro, I have spoiled the fast. I don't qualify again to sit. I don't qualify again to sit. Okay, okay. Now, in the next one year, I'm not going to tell one lie. Then they try. Two weeks to the end of the year, they will tell a lie. They say, hi, I can't see sit here. My friend, you are not the one that will qualify yourself. You have already been qualified by Jesus Christ. Now, receive that qualification. Sit there and let the other things that come with it follow. You can go. Amen. Glory to God. You see the way he's going now? It is, everything is his own. Go. Hallelujah. Sip it, sip it, sip, sip. He's the only one that has the audacity to drink while service is going on. He's doing what others cannot do. If you, you do it, us, I will tap you. What's wrong? But he was qualified. And nobody can be against him. Hallelujah. Did you see that? Righteousness. See, this is the power of righteousness. God's qualification of you. Hallelujah. Now, when you understand that he has qualified you, you will not ever feel that you don't deserve anything. You know, that scripture we've been quoting in Revelation 5.12, where he says, saying with a loud voice, what is the lamb that was slain? He said, to receive power. That means that this Jesus that died, he's worthy, he deserves, 
He's deserving of all power. He's deserving of all riches. Amen. And the Bible says that we are joint heirs with Him. He has made us deserving of all fortune. I want to announce to you that there is nothing too big for God to give to you. There's nothing that is too good for you. This month, wealth and riches will be found in your house. Will be found in your life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Not because you are putting 15 years in that company. At least by now. Those who give me a copper wristwatch. No. I said something and I like to repeat it. Behind every fortune is a sacrifice. Not necessarily a crime. A sacrifice. People that have achieved great wealth by natural means. Some have sacrificed their health to get that money. Some have sacrificed their family life, their marriage to get that. Some have sacrificed social a social life, hallelujah, to get that. The child of God should understand. For him, someone had made a sacrifice. And that there is no sacrifice he will make that can be superior to that sacrifice that has been made concerning him. It's the sacrifice of the lamb that was slain. Amen. It is that lamb that was slain his blood is conjoined wealth to you. People that do rituals go and kill something, maybe an animal or a human, a human being, and they use the blood to conjure wealth to them. But for you, there is a blood that is already conjoined for you. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. But listen to me. It works when you understand that you are deserving of it. Amen. You deserve it. Not because of your works. But because of the death and the sacrifice of Jesus. For you. Amen. Glory to God. So. Even Abraham understood. That the reason why he was wealthy or was going to be wealthy. Will not be because. You know there was a point where. They had gone for a war and then he helped some kings out and they had victory. I'm telling you Abraham's story. And when they had returned, the people wanted to give him all the things they brought from the spoils. Sorry, he won the victory for them. So they wanted him to take all the things that he got from the spoils of war. He said, don't worry, take it. Give us our children. Give us our wives. Abraham said, I will not even take a shoelace from you so that you will not say you have made Abraham rich. How will a man be talking like that? Meaning that he understood that this is not, it's not all this conquest that will make me rich. I am rich by reason of the lamb slain. By reason of a sacrifice I have seen. Amen. I'm not rich because of what the work I am doing. Abraham also understood that. And saw that his wealth, the source, was spiritual. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 4, verse 13. We read it. 
sometime back, I think in the first service. Listen to the scripture. It says, For the promise that he, that's Abraham, should be the heir of the world. You know what it means to be the heir? Well, if I say, who is the heir of Dangote and Sons? You say, okay, maybe his child, his son. That is the one that has the right to inherit it. Amen? Now, God was saying that he has given someone the rights, the rights of the whole world. Amen? The certificate of occupancy of earth, he had given it to somebody. One man. That was Abraham. He said, the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. That means that it was to him, but it was not through the law. That means how Abraham will enjoy it or benefit it will not be by thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. No, it will be through the righteousness of faith. Now, when the Bible talks about Abraham's seed, the scripture tells us that we are Abraham's seed. Amen. Amen. So we could read the scripture this way by saying, for the promise that we should be the heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Meaning that that promise was to you too and to me. Hallelujah. Jesus died. And by reason of his death, he paid to own everything. Amen. So, everything. Have you read the scripture? I think it's Psalm 24 verse 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's. You've read that scripture before. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Is there... The houses are on earth. Is that not so? Amen. All the things that are used are on earth. Amen. It says it belongs to God. The fullness thereof belongs to God. Now the Bible is saying that when what God did was that everything that he owns was vested in that name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Christ. And then the scripture tells you that you are a joint heir with Christ. When you got born again, you became a co-owner. Hallelujah. A joint owner with Christ of all the things that God owns. It is not heretic for you say, the earth is mine and the fullness thereof. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's not heresy. Glory to God. It's understanding. And you know why I don't like where people are offended by what someone's confession. You do not use your mouth to make the confession. You confess your own. Amen. If I say the world belongs to me. So I say what's the meaning of all of that now? So one of all of us that are here now. We are we, are we just Joseph. I didn't call your name in my confession. I didn't call your name in my confession. I said the earth belongs to me. Amen. It's not your mouth I used to say it. I used my mouth to say it. God gave you a mouth. Say your own. Amen. You can say the earth belongs to Pastor TV too. Amen. <laughs> no problem. Glory to God. Use your mouth to say your own. You know? <laughs> I, so I posted a comment on my, on my Facebook page some time ago. And someone um, posted a comment alongside. just made a comment under my comment. So I told the person, I said, I think Facebook gave everybody their own world. I have a right to say anything I want to say on my, it's my world. Amen. Are you understanding me? If you want to say something, go and say it on your wall. Amen. Glory to God. 
The earth is mine. And the fullness thereof. Say it again. The earth is mine. And the fullness thereof. Fullness thereof means all the things that are in it. Glory to God. It is righteousness that brings us into this inheritance. So the Bible was saying that the reason why Moses, sorry, Abraham became the heir of the world was through the righteousness of faith. Was not through the law. It was not through following commandments. It was through the understanding he had that God had justified him. God had declared him righteous. Amen. And if God had declared him righteous, there's nothing God will hold back from him. Amen. In essence, God is saying that you deserve everything good. I said, God is saying to you, you deserve everything good. You deserve the good life. The price to pay for you to be wealthy, the price to pay for you to be successful has already been paid. You didn't hear me. The price to pay for you to be wealthy, the price for you to pay to have fortune has already been paid. See, Understand that it has already been paid. You are the receiving generation. We are the harvest generation. We came after the things have been planted. Our job is to pluck. Amen. You don't understand what we're talking about. See, there's a season of planting and there's a season of harvest. If we look at the calendar of God, we are in the season where the work has already been done. We are coming to receive what has been done. We are coming to receive. Eh? Healing. Hey! Boom! Healing. Forgiveness. Boom! Hallelujah. Wow! Prosperity. Boom! Hallelujah. We are plucking and receiving it. We are not looking and saying, ha, this righteousness is very ripe. <laughs> well, if I just touch it, I know somebody will shoot me. Nobody will shoot you. It's for you. I said it's for you. Tabby yeah. said it's for me. Amen. Amen. Everything Jesus died for is for me. Glory to God. So I pluck. I partake. I receive. The secrets of the New Testament and the New Covenant is receiving. Anybody that doesn't know how to receive does not enjoy the new covenants. In the old covenants, the secret was the doing. Your performance. If you don't do this and do this, this will not come. In the new covenant, it has been done for you. Receive it. Hallelujah. Hey, I promised I was going to read the scripture in this second service. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. Amen? 2 Corinthians 8 9. Hallelujah. Is somebody receiving? Glory to God. It says something powerful there. Glory to God. 
It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, for whose sake? Call that your name again. Call your village name, your village name. For your sake he became rich, he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Now, the reason why you are rich, or let me use the language you are used to, you are going to be rich. <laughs> Amen. Is <laughs> because of what Jesus has done for you. Not because of the new job you got. Not because of the political appointment you were given. Amen. Even if you are not given that political appointment, the sacrifice has already been made. It only is looking for how it will express itself. Are you understanding me? You know, some of you think that I know that if I was into, if I was into, if I was into uh, bunkering, by now I would have made it. There are bunkers that are still bunkers. Poor. <laughs> so it, it's not it's not that that will make you rich. No, that sacrifice will speak for you. Amen. Irrespective of the job that you are doing. Amen. Jesus was made poor. Now the question is this. I don't know. I am a Bible scholar. And I believe in studying the scriptures. I ask the question. Was Jesus actually rich? Well the scripture said he was rich. So I accept that. Then at what point did he become poor? The scripture is saying that when Jesus was on that cross, you know, all those things they were doing to him where they took off his garments and they, 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 they began to cast lots for it, it was a symbol, hallelujah, of taking away everything. They were derobing him off wealth, hallelujah, so that you will not be derobed. You'll be robed with wealth. He was humiliated. That's what poverty is. It's a humiliation. It makes you live less than how you should live. He was humiliated that you will be honored. But I want to show you something a little deeper in this scripture. Now truly, if you study scriptures, Mary and Joseph, the custodians of Jesus, were not rich. They were poor. Amen. The scripture was not talking about Mary. And Joseph was talking about Jesus. Amen. So, get it in context. But Mary and Joseph were poor. How do we know they were poor? Let me show you something. Let's look at Matthew chapter... Okay, let's look at Luke first. Chapter 2. I'm going to read 22, 24. I'll show you something. In the Jewish religion, you can, you can tell the someone's level of wealth by the kind of sacrifice that they offer. Amen. In Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 24. This was when Jesus was born. Watch. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses. Now, there's a law of purification that when a woman gives birth, she has to be away from every religious rite for a certain number of days. And then at the end of those days, she has to offer a sacrifice before she's cleansed to now worship. Hallelujah. Alright. So, now, say, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished. Alright. They brought him to Jerusalem, Jesus, 
to present him to the Lord. Okay, he brought baby Jesus to present to the Lord. Verse 23. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opened the womb, he was quoting Leviticus. We're going to go there, alright? Every male that opened the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Let me just see the next verse. Good. Go back. So, listen. What did she offer? Go back to 24, please. A pair of what? Turtle doves. A pair is two, alright? Of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That's what the law says. And the Bible says that's what she offered. Hallelujah. That's what she offered. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 2. 12, rather, not 2. I'm going to read verse 2. And for sake of time, I'll just skip to 8. Look at the law so we understand the law. Hold it in your mind that Mary, on behalf of Jesus, offered turtle doves or... What was it on? Okay, you know. But go back to Leviticus 12 now. See. Speak unto the children of Israel. This is where the law was written. Saying, if a woman had conceived seed and born a man child, then she shall be unclean seven days. So the Bible said when the days of her purification were accomplished. So it's seven days. According to days of separation for her infirmity shall she be unclean. Verse 8. Go to verse 8 just for sake of time. Now verse 8 says, And if she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. That means that the original thing you are supposed to bring is a lamb. But if you don't have enough money, you bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. And that's what she gave. That means she didn't have enough money to offer a lamb. Amen? Picture. Now, I'd like you to read this in Amplified. Amplified. Amplified version. It says, Is it? Good. Amplified. God bless Francis Sewart. That's the name of the... God bless you. Amen. You're always just on point. Wherever you are. Amen. That's going to be with the Lord. If she is unable, look at Amplified. If she is unable to bring a lamb for lack of means. The reason she can't bring a lamb is for lack of means. She doesn't have enough. So what is she supposed to bring? Two turtle doves or young pigeons? Now some of you that are listening now, you have a child. You say, ah, where will I buy pigeon now? Which market? My one, my two. We are not telling you what to do. Amen. We are just explaining to you what the law prescribes. Amen. You are not under the law. You are under grace. Amen. Now, but understand the picture I'm painting here. The reason why Mary brought two turtle doves instead of a lamb was that she couldn't afford it. Amen. But because Jesus was in their life, wealth came. Matthew chapter 2. Let's start from verse 1. Uh, we'll read maybe 1 to 4, then I'll skip to 11. Look at this. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east. To Je- Why were the men coming? Because of Jesus. Why were the men coming? He didn't tell us how many wise men. He said wise men. Wise men. Some of them believed they were, but they were wealthy. Some of, and, and the, 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 the Greek word that was used refers to important personalities, dignities. Some of them were kings. Hallelujah. This was fulfilling the scriptures that kings shall come to your rising. Amen. Amen. 
So he said, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Why did they come? Verse 2. They came saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? These are people that, now these people that were coming, we are not Jews though. They were not Hebrews. Amen. They are Gentiles. But they have been studying these things. And they knew that a Messiah would be born. Amen. The Savior of the world. And so they came. Say, we have seen his star in the east and come to worship him. Up to today, anywhere Jesus is lifted up, men will see his star and come to worship him. Glory to God. I will come to that. He now said in verse 3, this is the part I want you to see before we skip to 11. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, you see, there are some clauses in scripture that are so straightforward sometimes in King James that you miss the import of what he said. When he said, and all Jerusalem with him, it meant that all over town there was a buzz. Eh? The way the people came, the convoy which they came, everybody was talking about it. Where are these people going to? Where are they going to? Give me this in NLT or Amplified. Let me just see that last part. Verse 3. Good. When Herod, Amplified Version, Matthew 2, 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was disturbed. And troubled. And the whole of, Israel, of Jerusalem with him. Everybody was asking, what's happening? What's happening? The entourage that came. Hallelujah. Important personalities that came. Now, it's not everybody that comes to River State that goes to see uh, uh, the governor. Some of you, you have been in River State. Have you gone there? Amen. But there are some people that if they enter town, governor will hear. Uh, so these people, Herod had to call for them. Ah, you entered my town. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> for example, like they said, uh, we, we came for the king that was born. He said, okay, which king? He said, there's a king. He said, when you see him, come and tell me so that I will come and also honor him. Why did they go and see him? Because they were important personalities. Now, there's something I want to show you. We are still talking about Second Corinthians 8, 9. How Jesus became rich. Amen. Go back to King James and give me verse 11. Then this wise man the Bible never said there were three. He never said there were two. He never said there were four. They would have been 10, 20, or 15. The Bible didn't say how many. Thank God for children's story book. <laughs> Amen. But the Bible says, and when they were coming to the house, when those men came, men of timber and calibus, <laughs> when they came, and men of timber and caliber always hear the voice of Jesus. They always look for Jesus. It says, when they came to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down, not worshipping the mother, and worshipped him, the young child. This is scripture being fulfilled. It said, kings shall shut their mouth at you. You will startle the nations. That's what was happening here. Now, when what I quoted is Isaiah 52, 13, 14. Now it says, And when they had opened, and when they had opened their treasures, when they said, say, um, open the boots, <laughs> open the trunk, they presented unto Jesus, what? Gifts. Gold. Hallelujah. Frank incense. And man. This was believed to be what sustained Jesus. Amen. Were those gifts that they brought. Gold, frankincense, men. They have symbolisms. But beyond the symbolisms, 
The fact is this. These things are presented normally to kings. Amen? So they were recognizing Jesus as king. They worshipped him and they gave him gold, frankincense and myrrh. Hallelujah. Gold, we know what gold is. The precious metal. Frankincense is, um, is, is, you know, when they're offering sacrifices in the, in the temple, they have some powdery substances they pour and it gives a, a nice aroma. So the frankincense is used for sacrificial offerings. Amen. Alright? So, believed that they were recognizing him as the high priest. Amen. That's why they gave him frankincense. Myrrh is an, a perfume. Oil-like perfume. Hallelujah. It's used mostly to embalm people when they die. Glory to God. So they gave him myrrh. Recognizing for his burial. Amen. Those are symbolisms. But my point is this. These people brought gold, frankincense and myrrh. And gave to Jesus. From that moment, Mary and Joseph did not have any need in taking care of Jesus. After that, you read that they left and departed to Egypt because they had enough. Amen. People that didn't have enough to give a lamb for sacrifice now had enough to travel. Amen. Are you getting the picture? Now, at this point, the scripture has been fulfilled. Though he was rich, Amen. Though he was rich. But how does this apply to you? Because Mary was with Jesus, men brought valuables to her. Let that Jesus in your life attract valuables to you. Amen. In this season of fortune, wise men are coming to your house. Amen. As you uphold Jesus in your life, they will drop gold. Amen. They will drop the special and expensive spices to you. Frankincense and men are the most expensive spices. But men brought their valuables and dropped it for Jesus. Is it Jesus that collected it? No. It was the one that was housing Jesus that used it. You are housing Jesus. Jesus is in your life. They will bring the gold to your house. They will bring the land of property to you. This is your motor fortune. Rise on your feet everywhere. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faith2faithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Thank you.